Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, we recap the Golden Globes. No, we recap the Hornets versus the Spurs over the weekend. Is that David Walker's voice I hear? He's back. And are the Hornets buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another week here on Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined back from vacation by the man, the myth, the legend. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm something choked up. That's how glad I am to have you back. David Walker. It means, it means a lot to me, too, Doug. Good to be back. Thanks for captaining the ship while I was gone. Um, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. Everyone should take a little vacation. <laughs> Thanks for letting me have one, Doug. Well, everyone should, especially when the, the temperatures drop to the teens here in Charlotte. You picked mm. a nice time. Yes. But I'm sure yes. you had plenty of time to catch the Hornets' action of your vacation. Oh, absolutely. I was I was dialed in, and we did make it back just in time for uh, Winter Apocalypse 2017 here in Charlotte. So yeah, that you're, was you're getting a little taste of the back end, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, and fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Let's start in San Antonio. Why not? The Hornets were mm. minus Nick Batum. But in a little bit of a surprise, David, they got Cody Zeller back into the starting lineup off of that concussion injury. We felt like this would be a tough matchup for the Hornets, but for the first half at least, the Hornets held their ground against Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Tony Parker. But they forgot to account, how could they? They forgot to account for rookie Davis Bertans. Bertans drops 19 on the Hornets in the second half. Charlotte gets outscored 26-14 in the third quarter, including a 15-2 run to end that quarter. That was really the ball game. Hornets lose 102-85. They drop to 20-18 on the season. They sit in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. David, this one escalated very quickly. Why? Yeah, I mean, I thought that bench unit for the Spurs really outplayed the Hornets bench unit, and 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 they just couldn't keep up the scoring. You know, you mentioned the the scoring, twenty six to fourteen there in the third. I mean, it was a relatively low scoring game in that first half, given the two teams that were playing. Um, and, and Charlotte has not had trouble scoring lately. It's been the defensive side of the ball that's given them problems in some of these losses. But on this night, they just couldn't keep up, and the the bench, you know, outscoring the Charlotte Hornets bench. Were the Spurs what fifty-five to twenty-two? And I mean that was a big difference. Without Batum, of course, you're moving a bench player into the starting lineup. So you know there's some of that, but still, I mean, just fourteen points in the third quarter on the road in San Antonio, only hitting, um, let's see here, only hitting four three-pointers. Doug, I mean four for twenty-one, nineteen percent. Uh, you know, I don't care who you're playing. If you're only hitting four threes in this day and age, it's going to be a tough tough road to hoe you know what i mean 
Yeah, Marco Bellinelli, one of four, still trying to get his groove back offensively. Marvin Williams, uh, his outside shooting continues a season-long regression. He was one of six from the field, and and they've struggled to shoot the three-pointer uh, really for a majority of this season. And David, we've ta- I talked about it last week. You know, the offense has really it, it's not really translated to to wins so much as yeah. it has prevented blowouts and and I think this was the the perfect game to illustrate that the defense not uh especially that second unit defense not doing a good enough job uh of protecting the rim or guarding outside shots really stopping anything and this one turns into a blowout when the offense can't get it going and Mm -hmm. and they were you know Marco Bellinelli was two of ten uh Jeremy Lamb was four of twelve you you hoped that he would give the Hornets a similar performance to the last time that he dropped into that starting lineup when he had 18 points and 17 rebounds. Uh, couldn't quite get to that level of production. He finishes the game with 13 and 8. Did have three assists early, um, but uh, overall, uh, you know, he played with that bench unit a lot too. So overall, he was a minus 13 on the game. And uh, Hornets uh, head coach Steve Clifford said after the game that he's not ready to commit to Jeremy Lamb as being that starting two guard moving forward. So clearly uh, Clifford not happy, completely happy with Lamb's performance or Lamb's, um, I guess, how he gelled with with that you know particular rotation. So we'll have to see mm-hmm. what happens there moving forward. But I want to talk about the bench defense because it, it simply wasn't good enough. And I want to go – I want to do a little uh, – analysis deep analysis of of what happened and what I think was the key moment going a little like dunked on podcast here so in the third quarter they were they were up two points when they broke the lineup with four to go which was pretty deep into the third quarter to hold the starters and yeah. Clifford did that and so four to go they they get uh, Kaminsky and one of the other bench players and almost immediately Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs went to work on Frank Kaminsky LaMarcus Aldridge backed him down and pivoted around him easily for an open layup. Next time down, Kaminsky fouls Dwayne Dedman on – it was not a very good foul. It was on help. Then he allowed himself to be screened by the ball handler, Manu Ginobili, who tosses it back to Bertans, who was wide open for a three-pointer. Kaminsky runs to close out. Never had a chance of closing out to begin with, but he runs to close out and inexplicably fouls Bertans for a four-point play. Hibbert turns it over on the other end. This is possession number four now. Uh, Hibbert turns it over on the other end. Kaminsky lags behind in transition. It it wasn't even his turnover. It wasn't his fault. He lags behind in transition, and it's a 5-4 advantage for the Spurs who get the ball to Bertans for another Mm three-pointer. Just not good enough. Not not good enough at all. And the first possession... What was Kaminsky? I don't know if he could have ever guarded that play in any universe. And then, but the last possession is probably the most, and it led to the the second straight uh, Hornets timeout by head coach Steve Clifford allowing that, allowing that to happen in transition, just inexcusable when the game is on the line and you're you're competing, you've been competing against the Spurs. Yeah, I'm, fr- I'm frustrated. I, I, you can I tell I'm frustrated. 
Well, so let me ask you this because I think they've lost four out of five now. Um, and look, you're playing against the Spurs, so I think some of that has to go into it. But like, effort is is not something that should be affected by the team that you're playing, right? And I think that's where a lot of your frustration and a lot of the Clippers' frustration comes out because he said in the po- post game, you know, when they broke the lineup, there was a su- significant drop off, and it's stuff like that that you're seeing from Frank Kaminsky. And and to be honest, the rest of that second unit, you know, I mean, Sessions, uh, Kaminsky, Bellinelli. Um, I guess you could throw Hibbert in there too. I mean, when they were out there, it was just it was just not good enough. And the problem when you play the Spurs is it doesn't matter who's out there for those guys. And and, and it doesn't matter who's on the team from year in and year out. You know, I heard the guys like on NBA radio talking about this uh, yesterday, just the culture they developed there and everybody they throw into a game. You know, they know what they're out there to do. They know they're going to play hard when they go out there and they know they're going to execute. I mean, they just don't take the nights off that most other teams do. And as you've heard Clifford say, this team isn't good enough to take any nights off, right? Especially against someone, uh, a team as good as the Spurs. Um, So that was the frustration. You look at the starters, right? And you had to feel pretty good about what the Hornets starters were able to do against the Spurs starters, you know, they held uh, Kawhi Leonard to, what, 19 points on 18 shots? Yeah, on 18 shots. I mean, MKG did a fantastic job on Kawhi. Yeah. They frustrated Aldridge early, and then Aldridge got it going against the second unit later on in the game. Pau Gasol, 2 of 7, he was frustrated. Tony Parker, 1 of 8. Kimball Walker yep. doing a fantastic job. Contain- and, and, and Tony Parker has been playing really, really well offensively mm-hmm. as of late. So you hold Tony Parker to one of eight. You frustrate Aldridge early in the game, and uh, your MKG and you uh, the second straight time you've limited a, a superstar performance, and yeah. you lose the basketball game. Yeah, um, just not enough scoring. I mean, I mean the defense, right? The defense, right? But you can't score eighty-five points. Uh, you can't. You can't go fourteen points in that third quarter, and you can't let this, that bench go out and blow you out like that. So. Turnover is um, also an issue. Sixteen, turn, yeah, that was exactly yes. that was the other thing I was going to say. Sixteen team a turnovers, twenty Spurs points on those turnovers. They they make you pay. I mean, that's a veteran team. That's a championship level team. Yeah, if you and, turn the basketball over, they're going to make you pay. And, yep, and for the Spurs, twenty nine assists on their thirty six made baskets. I mean, so they do it better than anyone from that standpoint. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, the ball movement was great for the Spurs early in the game, but the Hornets did a great job of just sort of one on one defense, preventing those pull up jump shots by Kawhi Leonard or the one pass pull ups. I mean, they did a great job on defense early in the game, and the and and to give the second unit some props, they. So here's what Greg Popovich did. Here's here's all you need to know about what the NBA thinks about the Charlotte Hornets at this point. So Greg Popovich played this was completely away from his rotation. He plays the starters to begin the second quarter. Shocked me because they haven't done that. First of all, that's unusual to play your starters at the beginning of the second quarter in general, but they haven't done that all season. But I think if you're Greg Popovich, you're thinking if I put my starters in in the second unit, uh, or against the Hornets' second unit, who they haven't played well defensively, this game could be over b- by the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, to me, that's all you need to know. Yeah, um, you know, again, I, how much? Do you, let me ask you this, Doug. So, I mean, how much do you say they haven't lost? Say this wasn't their fifth, you know, fourth loss in five games. I mean, do you take that into account at all that they're playing? Hey, this is the Spurs on the road. You know, they played them tough at home earlier in the in the season, um, and they just got let let one quarter really get away from them. I mean, do you take any solace in that? No. No, yeah, because okay. because <laughs> <laughs> to put it simply, because it's because it's a trend now. 
it's that's, not, that's and the, the problem. And the right? trend, that's the trend is not seen. the trend is not yeah. your friend in this instance. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, I take no solace in it being one quarter because you you what's what's the the most frustrating thing is this starting unit has proven it can compete with any starting unit in the league. I, I honestly, well, let me ask you this, David. Let me turn this question around a little bit. Okay. Uh, does it frustrate you that Kimba Walker only gets thirty one minutes in this game? That uh, that Michael K. Gilchrist only gets thirty, and and the bench was relied on in my mind a little too much in this game. I think by that, but they they allow a fifteen to two run at the end of the third quarter. I think at that point, yeah. if you want to win the basketball game, you you go into the fourth quarter with your starters, or or a combination of a few of your starters, and and, and play them. Uh, but they didn't, and there was another mini run by the Spurs in the first two or three minutes of that fourth quarter that really sealed the deal. And, and that's when uh, they finally send in the cavalry, but cavalry, but it was too late by that time. I mean, honestly, I, I really think they're trying to find spots, especially for Kimba, because I thought he got a little worn down over the last month of the, of the year, the calendar year, I guess of late. And so I'm fine with them trying to pick their spots. And if something is, is not going right to not push it. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I get back to hey, it's it is the Spurs. It is on the road. They're they're, they're starting off a, a rough stretch here, right? And, and wins are going to be hard to come by. And, and you do need to have Kemba the whole way through. Um, and they've already they're already without Batum. So I mean, keeping those numbers, keeping those minutes played about where they've been, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, if it's a tight game the whole way through, maybe you see something different. But like, I, I just think they're trying to find some spots where he can at least stay on his normal minutes, um, if not make up some time there. So, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but it's frustrating when this bench just gives you nothing. And, and you know that if the Kimba's not in there and the rest of the starters aren't in there, then it's a done deal. The Hornets next play the Houston Rockets on Tuesday in Houston. Uh, the Rockets coming off a big win against the Toronto Raptors, a huge comeback yeah. victory. Uh, they they shoot a lot of threes too, David. We'll have a bigger preview uh, of this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, they do. Expect more, expect more of the same. Uh, from uh, from the Houston Rockets and the Hornets will be challenged again on defense. An update on Nick Batum's injury. Uh, they did the MRI. Nothing serious on that right knee, uh, hyperextended right knee. So um, expected to be out one to two weeks, similar to what Marvin Williams went through at the end of November coming into December. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, uh, he was out about nine, ten days and missed six games. So, <clears throat> that's what you can expect from the Nick Batum injury, at least for now. We'll update if we hear anything else. Let's talk about let's let's kind of go back and talk about this entire first half of the season. This entire week on the Locked On NBA show, you can hear midseason reports on every team in the NBA. It's time for our midseason report here on Locked On Hornets. We have five burning questions as the trade deadline approaches and play and the playoff runs kick into high gear. The first question, David, what is the number one storyline of the Hornets season? And this one is an easy one. This is probably the easiest question of them all because we just talked about it. It's defensive inconsistency and not just the the entire team being inconsistent one night to the next. We've definitely seen that. And I don't want to pin this entirely on the second unit because the first unit has had struggles stopping superstars and, and had 
trouble getting stops in the fourth quarter when they need it. But I think really it's the inconsistency between the first unit and the second unit. And Greg Popovich playing his starters in the second quarter, at the beginning of the second quarter, tells me that, hey, the NBA recognizes this. That's that's what's on tape now. That's what's on the scouting report. And more teams are going to attack this second unit with starters. And it's a scary thing if, if, if you're the Hornets. So that's my number one storyline of the NBA season. Yeah, and it's frustrating, right? Because you still see the ranking of the defense, and you know it's a good defensive team, and Clippers a good defensive coach, but on some of these nights, it's just not playing. It's just not translating into wins, and it's got to be killing them. All right, what's next? This is who who's kind of better than we thought they might be, and maybe who's not as good as we expected. For me, I hinted on this a little bit before the break, but Cody Zeller has been fantastic, I thought, this season. And going into the year, I wasn't sure if he could really step up and claim that starting center position and, you know, be a starting center in the NBA. But he's proven me completely wrong, I think, in my eyes. And it's the toughness factor. It's the strength with which he's attacking the rim on most, I mean, night in, night out. To, to go with the fact that he's not backing down from anyone, you've seen it with Dwight Howard, you've seen it with Hassan Whiteside, he's able to get under those guys' skin a little bit, but he's been so big for this team, playing that pick and roll with Nick Batum, averaging just under 11 points per game, career high this year, shooting about 60% a game of, for uh, effective field goal percentage, and that's you know it's up at the tops in the NBA as far as field goal percentage, he's been in the top five uh, for most of the year when he's gotten his attempts up to where they need to be. So I think Cody Zeller's been fantastic this year. You see the difference when he's out of the lineup and when he's back in it. So he's a key cog in their machine right now, and I've been uh, I've been totally shocked by him. Not totally shocked, but just pleasantly surprised that he's been able to take another step in his game. Yeah, who's been worse than you thought? Ooh, well, you know, there weren't there hasn't been a lot of, of just overall disappointing players. Um, I think the starting unit as a whole has been has, has there's been no one there. Um, there's a couple guys I thought about here. Hibbert, I don't think has, has been what we thought he might be, especially after that first game. Maybe that was a little too much to expect from him. Um, but I think you have to look at uh, we'll get back to a starter, I, I should have said. Uh, Marvin Williams, you know, and, mm. and I feel bad about this one because I should have known because you you told me, you told all of us uh, going into the season that we could see a little regression. I don't from take Marvin any joy year. in that, by the way. I don't say uh, I'm not no. smiling in the studio right now. That I just well, it, just, it, I just, just felt it. I, I can hear it. I can you smile a little bit. I can hear it. <laughs> No, I know. I obviously, you don't. Obviously, no one wants that, um, and we all love Marvin and 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 value what he brings to the table. But you know, the three point percentage has fallen off. Shot forty percent, which was a career high last year, has not returned to form uh, for that this year. Shooting only thirty five percent, and it just struggled uh, from three point percent from three point land. You know, I guess he's been dinged up a little bit, but I mean, relatively healthy. Um, yeah, has contributed in other ways, but the shot is the biggest thing. I mean, look, we just talked about it. Four three pointers made against the Spurs. They relied on him to make a lot of threes last year, and and it hasn't uh, turned out to be the same thing this year. So I think that's the guy who's who's been a little. Quite not quite as good as I thought he might be. Yeah, I agree with your Cody Zeller pick. The Hornets are plus uh, seven points with him on the court as opposed to off the court. And I think his passing, his screening, there are a lot of things that have improved with Cody Zeller's game apart yeah, screening. Uh, yeah, apart from his uh, scoring and his ability to work the pick and roll. Um, in terms of the the player that's gotten or, or hasn't been as good as we thought he was going to be, I got to go with Frank Kaminsky here. That I was really, the other guy. Yeah, I really yeah. thought I really thought he would improve somewhat defensively, but this is. I don't even know if you can call this a sophomore slump because his rookie year wasn't 
Um, it wasn't like uh, Christoph Porzingis impressive where you would expect a little bit of a sophomore drop-off. Uh, I really expected him to improve significantly, and it's, it just simply hasn't happened. Okay, next question. Are the Hornets buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? If they are anything... They are buyers. This team is in win-now mode and win with the core of players that they've assembled on their starting unit mode. Uh, Win with the players they have. It would shock me to see if anyone off the starting five uh, was traded before the trade deadline, though I think Cody Zeller still remains the most vulnerable of that starting five, despite them signing him to the, the, the extension. They have issues defensively on the second unit, as we've mentioned, and I don't think those issues can be fully addressed with the roster and the rotations as they're currently constructed. I think these, these, uh, this second unit defense is baked in. The cake is baked. Uh, they have movable contracts, but in a year where normally attractive deals won't be as attractive because of all the cap flexibility due next summer, I don't think they're going to be able to swing a deal without including a draft pick or maybe two to sweeten that deal. So that that's where I think they are. I, I think that they may stand pat uh, because you, you got to look at the top of the East and go, you know, Boston surging, Toronto's playing well, Cleveland is Cleveland. And, and now you look above you and Atlanta, Indiana's getting better. Detroit's kind of finding a groove. I just don't, I don't know if this is the year that the Hornets win a playoff series. And, and if that's not in the cards, then I don't know if if mortgaging the future. I mean, I think they could they could probably figure some things out and, and maybe get to the playoffs. Um, but I don't know if a trade is really going to send them to playoff win mode. You know what I mean with with the way yeah. the East is constructed now. Yeah, uh, they're definitely not sellers. I mean, you know, they're not looking to break up the core. They're not looking to do anything like you're seeing in Atlanta right now. So, I mean, yeah, if they're anything, it's going to be they're going to be buying. Um, it wouldn't shock me because I mean, Joe, they, they always seem to do something that comes out of nowhere at the trade deadline, right? But like, I think it's honestly silly for us to sit here and try and make a guess because how many times have we seen any of these trades coming, Doug? That that have happened right at the trade deadline and for Chow right over the past couple of years. Yeah, he's definitely been able to sneak them in. All right, David, what's the next question? So if we're going to add something, if they're going to be buyers, you know, what are they looking to add to this team? And I think it's the thing that that we've talked about recently. Uh, you know, some more shot makers, especially from the three point area. Um, I think that's been a big thing that's been missing from this team last year. You know, they turned around their offense. Uh, last season with the addition of Jeremy Lin and being able to hit that three ball consistently. Kimba's still been able to do it, but guys like Marvin, like we said, Bellinelli certainly helped, but they've fallen off uh, from where they were last year, uh, making, I think, 12% fewer uh, three-point shots than they were last year. So um, I think that would be what they would look to add. Um, you know, I, For me, that's the biggest thing. Well, and it's that's somebody thing that has to come off the bench and they have to play defense. I mean, an Avery Bradley, a Thabo Sevalosha. <laughs> yeah, so and... just go out and grab a 3-and-D guy. You know, nobody – Nobody wants those, right? I mean, right, exactly. Should be easy to find. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the problem. They're going to have to give up so much overvalue of that player to to acquire them because yeah. uh, of the situation, and it's preventing a lot of teams from making a trade. It's not just preventing uh, the the Hornets from making a trade. This entire trade uh, deadline has been uh, quiet to begin. Uh, finally, what will be the key for the Hornets in the second half of the season in order to call this season a success? On my mind, they have to get to the playoffs and win a series if they want to call this season a success. They have to play better defensively all around, but especially on the second unit. And and they have to start making three-pointers. I mean, you can't rely 
on the mid-range and, and at the rim game that the Hornets have significantly relied on in this stretch. There's going to have to be a transformation of some kind if they want to get there, and I, I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the smartest thing to, to mortgage the future in order to, to try to win a playoff series this season. They've got, they've got their core under contract for a while. It, it may be better to go, in, and I don't know if anyone wants to hear this, but it may be better to go into the next offseason and, and just rethink that bench and move forward. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think winning the division would also be a big, huge success, something they've never done. Um, and this would, seems like seems like the year to do it. I well, mean, if the Hawks, you know, if the Hawks right? continue their fire well, sale, yeah, then if the thing. Hawks continue to peel off players and try again next season as well, then yes, the Hornets will be in position to do that. You know, I still think the organization wants to win a playoff series and they want to win it this season. I, I, I think that they mm-hmm. will probably try to do something because. This again, this bench. I think this bench is what it is. Marco Bellinelli, not known for his defense. Kaminsky, not known. Hibbert, uh, Sessions. There, there aren't many answers. Lamb. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough situation for the Hornets, and, and I don't know necessarily what they can do other than work the trade market to figure this thing out. Because any, you know, moving Marvin Williams to the bench, moving MKG to the bench. It, know, doesn't, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It uh, doesn't. Every every time you think of something like that, there another seem problem. Like going to give a shot to production, right? I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem like you're just going to be a, a boost just by moving Marvin, right? Like, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't see that happening either. All right. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and and thanks to Migos. Uh, they weren't in this podcast, but they wrote "Bad and Bougie," and it's made for some right. great gifts on social media. <laughs> I had to work one Golden Gloves joke. There, the you go. uh, follow, there you go. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again tomorrow, as well as Locked On Hornets Live tomorrow night at 6 o'clock p.m. So check us out, youtube.com slash locked on Hornets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Uh, please, warm weather, return. Let's swarm shot. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17